0: been discussing the life of repentance and purity, mostly inspired by the, a book by His Holiness Pope Shemuda III, which has uh, recently been retranslated by His Grace Bishop Serapion and printed by St. Vladimir Seminary Press, um, an Eastern Orthodox seminary in New, in New York. Um, so that's actually very encouraging that, like, there is more and more acceptance uh, 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 you know, of, of teachings of various different Orthodox traditions back and forth. Today we're talking about our end goal. We're talking about where, where where, are we going? What is the purpose of our spiritual life? And most clearly and obviously the purpose of our lives at large. And that's purity of heart. We've been talking about how repentance is not a punctual act, but a lifestyle A way of living, a a way of conducting ourselves. And today, today we're talking, we want to make very clear the end goal. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I had the opportunity to pray a liturgy once in the monastery and I was standing and praying, and next to me was standing this very holy man, very well known as a wonder worker, very well known as a wonder worker, and as someone who is uh, very, very holy. And he was standing next to me, I don't really know him and he doesn't know me, we've had one conversation. And he turns to me and he says, isn't it so beautiful? And he's looking at the altar and his eyes are like, his eyes are open this wide and his tears, streaming gently down his face. Isn't it so beautiful that St. Mary comes to pray in the liturgy with us and the angels and the saints and so on? And I thought he was speaking like in theory. And he says, I said, yeah, it is is really nice that we can be sort of gathered together, um, that we can be gathered uh, together um, during the liturgy, right? And he, he says he started to describing to me where the saints are and where St. Mary is and where St. Moses is. And he was, he was telling me what he could see plainly with his eyes. I was in awe. I, 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 didn't, I didn't have anything to say, you know, right? And so when we were leaving the liturgy, I, uh, I turned to one of the other monks and I said to him, how is it that Abuna so-and-so can see so obviously, so clearly, but I can't? And uh, the, the monk that I was speaking to started to open his mouth and then he stopped like to reconsider. And then he, and then he spoke and he said, Abuna, we need to be pure in heart. Speaking to me. He says, we need to be pure in heart. And the verse that rang in my mind like a gong at that moment was Jesus saying, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. God is ubiquitous. God is is everywhere and everywhere available. If I can't see Him, it's not because He's on holiday. It's because I haven't gotten to that place of purity of heart yet where I can see Him clearly, not dimly, clearly, in everyone and in everything. As we come closer to God... As we repent more and more of our sins, we start to clean our glasses. We start to clean our glasses so that we can see. Like repentance is a change of mind. It's it's not changing your mind. It's a change of mind. It's a mind transplant. And when when I see the world differently, I can see that God is here. God is real. God is present. God is not some vague, abstract, supreme power. God is, is intimately associated with us. One of the fathers says, God is closer to you than your very own breath. One of the, the hallmarks of purity of heart, I'm, tell- I'm speaking out of theory here, okay? This isn't me, but it's certainly where I want to be is that temptation has no more power over you. You don't stop being tempted. It's just temptation has no more power over you. It's like water off a duck's back. Where does that expression come from, water off a duck's back? Ducks secrete, they have these pores, they secrete this this oily stuff into their feathers. And so water doesn't stick to them and they don't, they don't absorb the water, what would happen? What happens if you take a, a sponge, a dry sponge, and put it on the top of a bowl of water? What's it going to do? Float. What happens if you let it soak up the water? What's it going to do? Drown, like, you know, think. right? Ducks would drown if they wouldn't be able to wick off the water. Water doesn't not touch them. No, water, water touches them but it just glides right off of them. The idea is this, is that we're not, we're not aiming for, you've heard it said, you know, you should, come to, you should come to confession at least sort of one to three months at the most, you know, like preferably once a month. Okay, so then I'm gonna repent once a month, no. Repentance, repentance what we've been getting at for this whole month while we been talking about this is that repentance is a lifestyle. Repentance is a daily, is an hourly, is a minute by minute thing. If every minute I'm repenting, if every second I'm repenting, then temptation has no power over me. People are going to irritate me. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to be susceptible to irritation. But in that moment, like we were talking last week, I remember my own sin. I remember that I have not been an irritation to my beloved I am the one who crucified him. St. Augustine says that if you were the only person on the face of the earth, Jesus would have come and died for you. Okay, that's really great and gives you the warm and fuzzy. But think about this for one moment. If you're the only person on the face of the earth and Jesus comes and he ends up on the cross, how did he get there? How did he get there? Someone must have put him there. And I happen to be the only person here. I crucified him. So if I, have, if I have my own sins and I have my beloved clearly before my eyes, people are still, still going to do things that are going to rub me funny, right? Whether they're right or they're wrong will be irrelevant to me because I see my sin is so much greater than theirs, whether it's sin or not. I took one example. People will betray me. People will hurt Yes, of course. I'm not saying that purity of heart is to live in a utopia. No, purity of heart is to see with clear eyes the truth, the wholeness of the truth of the love of God and the wholeness of the truth of my betrayal of Him and the wholeness of His love for me all at the same time. And to live this, not once a month, to live this every minute of every day, right? Then temptation has, has, no, has no hold on me. Jesus says, the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Pope Shenouda asks us, can you say the same? Can you say the same? You know, friendships are based at the intersection of the characters of two people, right? So, what you, you're you, and I'm me. And what we have in common is what we build our friendship upon, okay? St. Paul says that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Jesus says, the ruler of the world is coming and I have nothing, he has nothing on me. Right? Jesus is saying there's no intersect. There's no common ground. We've got got nothing that we share in common. Poshunur is asking you and me, can you say the same? I want you to answer this question now, in your mind and in your heart. And say with St. Paul, by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, one day, that will be my reality. I have met people. I have met people that are incapable of seeing obvious sin. People are doing <clears throat> sin in front of their eyes. And they, 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 don't, they can't see it. They can see beautiful Beloved children of God. They, they can't see bad things. That's just been, that, that has been lost. I want to lose that too. May, may that be your prayer and mine. I'm trying, the goal of this session, the goal of today is to make purity of heart so clear before your eyes. A friend of mine, really, really witty, nice, practical, level-headed guy says to me, if you don't know what your objective is... There's no way you're going to get there. And if by chance, by random chance, you do, you won't know because you didn't know where you were going in the first place. We've got to know what our objective is. My objective in spiritual life is purity of heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In Hebrews 5, it says, purity comes, True purity comes to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use have, have their senses exercised. It's a complete hatred of sin. It's, it's an immunity of my senses to see and to, to engage with evil. Like St. Saint, Saint Anthony says, the gatekeeper of the heart is the mind. And the gatekeeper of the mind are the senses. Mind your senses, you'll mind your thoughts. Mind your thoughts, you'll mind your heart. Mind your heart you'll be able to pray, right? But these, these are people who have come to a place who th- their senses no longer register sin. They've seen people doing things, doing sin, and themselves doing sin so many times and given them an excuse. And repented on their behalf for themselves and for others, and looked to the forgiveness of Christ and so on, that they automatically bypass judging the person. Automatically they move to prayer. Because they're in a state of prayer and repentance all day long, anyways. St. Paul in Romans 7 says, For I know that which is in me, that is my flesh That nothing in it, in it nothing good dwells For to will is present with me But how to perform what is good I do not find A lot of us, myself included Experience this constant battle Between what I want to do And what I do And what I don't want to do And what I do What I do want to do And what I don't do You know what I mean, right? I don't do the things I want to do And the things I want to do, I don't do Right? And I'm like fragmented, you know, and there's this arm wrestle that's going on in my head all the time. People, those who are pure in heart, they don't have that experience. Why? Because suppose suppose I tell you, okay, this is a glass of water that somebody kindly prepared for me for this talk. Suppose, you know, to the biochemists in the room, you know, I tell you this is pure water. What what do you understand by that? You know, people who have like some you know background in biochemistry or people who did like high school sciences, right? That this is H2O. There's two hydrogens and an oxygen to every molecule in this cup, and that's all that's in here. If I told you this is pure water, then what your expectation is, is that there's nothing else in here except that purity is that when we say someone is simple in spirituality we don't mean like they're kind of like um, ignorant or foolish or slow no what we mean to say is that simple you can almost understand it as single as pure like there's nothing there's there's nothing else in them they don't have this battle that i have between wanting to do things that i don't do and doing things that i don't want to do they're singular they're one there's not two two sides having an arm wrestle they're just one They've reconciled their odds with their desires, with their with all of these issues, right? And they've come to a place of singularity. To be single, to be single-minded. They're looking towards God, and that's it. And that's it. I was speaking with the, the monk who basically told me that I'm not pure in heart, that's why I can't see God. Right? So I was speaking with him, right? <laughs> Yeah, at, a, at a, a different time. And he he knows a lot of these saints and a lot of these anchorites. So I asked him once, are all the anchorites monastics? And he laughed. And he said, no, of course not. He said, there's a mayor in Upper Egypt who's an anchorite. Anchorite, the Arabic word for that is sowah. There's a mayor. He runs the town. Right? But his mind and his heart are in one place. And he does his job faithfully and he... You know, so you don't have to go and dig out a cave for yourself in some obscure wilderness to be pure in heart. Many, many, many are the saints who are in the world that are pure in heart. We know more about the saints who are in the world who are pure in heart than we know about the ones who weren't. Because the ones who weren't got lost somewhere in the wilderness and they lived a holy life and they went to heaven. And we only have heard about a a very small fraction of them. If we look at some of some of the some of the saints of the church, right? David, Peter, Solomon, Samson, Jonah, Mark, Saint Mark, all of these, all of these people, they 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 fought a battle. They weren't they didn't like arrive at sainthood in one leap. So it's normal. It's normal if you hear what I'm saying and you say, Muna, this sounds great. You know, and thank you when I have a very clear image in my mind of what it means to be pure in heart. But like, you know, not me, right? None of these people started, none of these people started by saying, uh, by saying, um, St. Mark, who preached the land of Egypt and the reason that we're here today as Christians, started off by jumping ship from, A missionary journey with St. Paul Because he wanted to go see his mother You know He was homesick Missionaries are warriors You know Are warriors But God gave him a second chance Ever think about this this concept Of a second chance How is it that God constantly gives me second chances How is it that the second chance That came after the second chance Is still a second chance like, this was a second chance. Then I messed, that, I messed the second chance up and now I'm in another chance. How is that a second chance? Wouldn't that be a third chance? No, it's a second chance. Why? Because the mess up before it got erased. So this is, this is my second try. And then I mess this one up and I go to the next one and that's my second chance. Why? Because the one before it got erased too. That's why we live with a God of second chances. Because he overlooks evil. He knows it's there. He overlooks it. Acts 17:30 these past times of ignorance God has overlooked and now calls all men everywhere to repent. Those who are pure in heart have become like God. They overlook evil. They know it's there, but it's it's, it's a waste of time and energy to, to talk about it or think about it. There's, God is here. I'm going to start obsessing about the crumbs that are on the floor that should have been swept away, but the cleaners didn't do a good job. God is here. Who cares about this? In the crumbs? In Proverbs, it says, Sin has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. So the strong and the weak all battle. They all fight. This is probably the most important verse that's going to come up on the screen today. Jesus says to the Pharisees, You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but the inside are full of of greed and self-indulgence, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the, inside, the outside will be also clean. It's not the outside that matters. These holy people that we encounter and that we get to meet and that see heaven open, and they don't look any different than you and me. They don't talk any different than you and me. They look just like anyone else. But what they see is completely different. Take someone with a complete visual impairment and someone and someone who, who sees just fine. When they wake up and get out of bed, or when they walk out of the shower, what's the difference between one and the other? Nothing. You can't see the difference between the two until, until the, the, the person with the visual impairment brings out their, their, their walking stick, then you can't tell. The the difference is not something on the outside, it's something on the inside, and Jesus is telling us, clean the inside. It's a life of repentance, of day in, day out, minute by minute, reaching out to God and asking for His mercy and asking for His forgiveness and keeping my sins clearly before my eyes and remembering the greatness and the grandeur and the love of God in light of my constant betrayal that that doesn't make me feel guilty, but makes me feel so honored that God continues to love me. It's that life that leads to this purity of heart. There are attacks against our purity, against the purity of our thoughts, of our assumptions, of our dreams, and of several different kinds of vanity. St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, he says, so we fix our eyes on what is unseen and not what is seen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So, let us, you and me, engage on this path of not believing everything our eyes see as the whole truth. Yes, I see this and this and this. A wise man once really, really wise servant that I used to have the opportunity to serve with. I was at a youth meeting or something, and like four or five people showed up. It was really pathetic, right? And, uh, you know, I spoke, uh, and then the servant came up to me afterwards, and this and that. And this was long before my priesthood, I was... Uh, um, uh, long before my priesthood, I was uh, uh, like a, a layperson, and I was speaking at this... And it was my youth meeting, like, and my, None of my youth showed up So I was, I was discouraged And he told me look Never look at how many people are present Because God wants your heart And your prayers to be about the people Who are not here Right? The people who are here, great, they benefited But as soon as you say Glory be to God forever and ever, man Your job is to see who wasn't here And to reach out to them So Always, always, the the number of people who are present, this is from like the people who study churches and stuff like that, is about 10 to 40% of the people who would usually have access or want to come to that place. So at best, you are 40%. That means there's another 60% out there. At worst, you are 10%. And there's another 90% out there. How many people are here? 40? That means there's... That means that there is 360 that should be here and are not. So what should, what should have my attention? That which I can see or that which I cannot see? Of course, you're here. I give you my attention, right? But not for a moment should I be prideful of how many people are here or not for a moment should I be discouraged how many people are not here because, oh my goodness, there's so many more. Out there, it's not what is seen which matters; it's what's unseen, because what is unseen is eternal. I took a very simple example from ministry to share with you, right? And you, but you could apply this to everything and anything in your day-to-day, in your day-to-day lives. It takes some time for our dreams to become pure, because our dreams largely originate for, from our subconscious. And even long after, you're living a holy and pure life. My subconscious, I've been filling it for for so many decades with, with rubbish. It's going to take some time for that stuff to filter out. Pope Shenouda is telling you and he's telling me, don't be discouraged. If you're living a life of holiness and purity and constant repentance, and you, you find odd things popping up in your dreams, pray and ask God to help to clean out whatever left over rubbish is hanging around in there. Jesus tells us no one can serve two masters. Either you will love the one and hate the other or you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In the story of Mary, Mary and Martha when Jesus goes over to visit them, Martha wasn't doing something wrong. She just wasn't doing something right. And she wasn't doing something right because she was preoccupied with the things which are seen. Not with the things which are not seen. There's nothing wrong with being, with, with serving God and, and loving to serve Him. There's nothing wrong with sitting in quiet devotion to Christ alone. Both are great. But... If I allow myself to get engrossed and devote and, and consumed by the things which are seen to the absence of the things that are not seen, to, the, to their expense, sorry, of the, exp- of the things that are not seen, then that's a problem. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell us here. St. Paul says, what, I, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For those who, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. The more and more my relationship with God consumes me, the less and less other things do. Every now and again, I take up a new hobby, right? I get into a new thing you know and and i get all engrossed in that thing and i forget all kinds of other things that i that i need to do or should do or and so on right god is inviting you to get engrossed in your relationship with him saint paul is on trial with felix the governor and king agrippa and at one point, they say to him, stop speaking, you've almost convinced us to become Christian. That's how convincing he was. But very sadly, at one point, Felix says this to St. Paul. As Paul talked about righteousness and self-control and judgment, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave when it is a convenient time I will sent for you. Don't put your hand up and tell the Holy Spirit, now is not a convenient don't, don't miss the chance. We talked about this, I think, second week or third week. There is a time for repentance, and that time is not, it's not always. There's a specific, a designated time. Yes, God's arms are always open to you, and you can always come back to Him. But there is a time that God has designated for my return. It will be easiest, clearest, simplest for me to return to at that time. Don't put your, don't put your hand up and, and say, stop. Uh, now is not a convenient time. There's no time more convenient than right now. To start to engage and hope and live this life of repentance in the hopes of one day living this life of purity. King David in 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 his deep desire to be pure, says, turn away my eyes that I may not see vanity. Let's, let's pray that with him and say, Lord, turn my eyes away from things that are meaningless and let me see you. It's so clear. Like, like, my eyes are focused on things that are meaningless, so I can't see God. When I stop looking left and right, left and right, left, but I only look in one direction... I'll see that which has been already there. We've mentioned this a hundred times in in the transfiguration of Christ on the mountain. Jesus goes up the mountain, takes three of His disciples with Him, starts praying, and all of a sudden, His clothes become whiter than light, and Elijah and Moses appear next to Him. The Fathers teach us that it was not the appearance of Christ that was changed, but the eyes of the disciples, which were open to see that which was always there. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He never changes. We change to be able to see that which has always been obvious and in front of our eyes. You know what it's like? It's like, where's Waldo? You ever open one of those Where's Waldo books? Maybe I'm dating myself, right? I don't know. People nowadays, I probably don't use books anymore. I read everything on Kindle, right? You open the Where's Waldo Kindle, right? And, you know, you're supposed to look on the page to find this guy named Waldo, right? He looks kind of goofy, and there's just one of him. And he's about the size of my pinky nail, and there's about like a thousand other people on the page. And you kind of go looking, you know, and you look for Where's Waldo, hence the name of the book, right? The moment the... I know where Waldo is, any time I open the book to that page, the only thing I can see is Waldo. I could have spent an hour looking for Waldo, and I couldn't find Waldo for the life of me. And sometimes I could never find him. It would kill me if I couldn't find, if I couldn't find him, I, you know? I, I'm sure he's there, and I could spend over an hour looking. But once I found him, I can't see anything on that page anymore other than Waldo. I can't forget where he is. And there's like, there's like tens of these books, right? Each of them, I don't know, have like 20 or 30 pages of where's Waldo. But like somehow you can remember exactly where he is. And all you can see is that the moment we see God, we taste him in a particular circumstance, then we become unable to see anything else other than him who was always there and then in another circumstance, and then in another circumstance. And as we go from one circumstance of life to another, to another, to another, and I see God here, and I see God there, and I see God there, as I go back to those circumstances again, all I can see is God. I'm trying to make purity heart very clear to you, but also very accessible. This isn't something, Mother Teresa says holiness, sainthood. She's thinking about, someone asks her, Mother, are you a saint? And she replies back and she says, Holiness is not the privilege of a select few, but the calling of every human being. So it is with purity of heart. Purity of heart comes from moving from a stage of living out the laws of Christianity, of morality, to a relationship of love. But I'll just leave you with that. So, say King David says, "How I love your law, O Lord! It is my meditation all the day long." If His law is my meditation all the day long, literally, then I don't think about anything else. So I've become pure. I've become single, simple, one-minded. One, I have one mind and I have one heart. And the fruit—how do you know? Like, how do you know you've gotten there? Because you see God in everything. And because you start to see the fruits of the Spirit in your own life. You say, but Father John, then I'm going to become proud. Right? Then I become very susceptible. Very, now I see God. Everywhere I go, I see God. I'll register. I am now pure in heart. So I will become proud. Oh, no. When I see... I put my iPad down. God. And I'm walking around all day like this. And I'm going to like break a cervical vertebrae. Because of how awesome and great God is. If you think I'm going to get filled with pride, never, never, never be afraid of sin. Be cognizant of sin, but never be afraid of sin. Flee temptation, but never be afraid of sin. Because our God is greater and He is here and He is ready to be seen and experienced by you and me, and all of those who are pure in heart, glory be to God, and now the love of God the Father, the grace of His only begotten Son,